You're listening to episode number seven of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. Now, usually I wait until the end of the introduction to let you know about the explicit nature of the upcoming podcast. In this podcast, due to the nature, I felt it was necessary to warn you in advance before introducing what we're talking about in case you are driving with other people or little people or somebody who might not want to hear what I'm about to say. So if this is you, I would invite you to come back later or when you have your earbuds in and you don't have the potential to feel embarrassed about what we are going to talk about. Ironically, feeling embarrassed about what we are about to talk about is one of the core themes of this episode. So today's episode is all about sex, sexuality, your body, and ways that you can move through guilt and shame and low libido and find, reconnect with that woman, that sexy goddess of a woman that you know deep down is inside of you. So if you are ready to reconnect with your pleasure and get your freaky on back on in the bedroom, this episode is for you. Also, one final heads up before we get in, there are a couple of instances in which we kind of go down a path of exploring past sexual traumas. So if this is something that you are not ready to hear or ready to explore or ready to revisit, if you have had sexual trauma in the past, I would like you to know in advance that that is one avenue that we do go down. It is not the entirety of the episode, although it is present. So I want you to know if this may be a trigger for you that it is present. Without further ado, let's get it on. Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all, and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I am your host, Brittany Lynch, and I am so, so excited to bring a very special guest to you today. Today on the show, we have Lacey Broussard, who is also known as the multi-orgasmic mama. So if lack of confidence, low libido, or guilt and shame around your sexuality are the cause of your bedroom woes, you know, the hot, wild sex you never have anymore, or the transition into motherhood, or stepmotherhood that has sucked your libido dry, you need Lacey. She's a holistic sex coach for women who lack desire and want to feel sexy again. As a certified sex coach, Tantra, and Jade Egg teacher, Lacey uses deep transformational tools and techniques based in modern coaching modalities and ancient tantric wisdom and Taoist practices to help women like you get your desire back and feel sexy again. Amazing. Lacey, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, so before we jump in, I just wanted to start off by, you know, thanking you for bringing this message to the world, bringing this message to women. I think it's something that we don't talk about enough as a society, about our bodies, about our sexuality, about why we can't be sexual. And uh, a lot of the work that I do with my own clients is around recognizing the ways that society conditions women to believe they have to look or act or behave in order to, in order to be considered worthy or valuable or good enough. Hmm. So Lacey, I'm curious, you know, before you got into this work, where you teach women to take back their power about their pleasure, take back their power about their bodies. What was your experience like? Like what led you to this path to become a, a sex coach and a, and a Tantra expert? Okay. Yeah. I grew up in a suburb right outside of New Orleans, Louisiana, and a very 
conservative religious environment and a lot of guilt, shame around bodies, sexuality. I remember walking out of the bathroom when I was six years old with a towel around me and my parents fussing at me and like trying to get me in trouble because I walked out with a towel around me. Like that's how not okay even being naked under a towel was in my home. Like it was walking on eggshells. Everything you did was just like, ah, and that's, that was like a really big um, piece of what I later began to recognize was how much I had disgust around my body. Mm-hmm. So growing up as a teenager, I wasn't really interested in boys too much until I was about 16 and everything was normal. Everything was fine. I remember having like an orgasm for myself, even though I didn't really touch myself or self-pleasure very often. And when I got uh, into a relationship with my kid's dad, um, I met him when I was 18 and I ended up getting married to him because I thought that getting married was the only way to make having sex okay. Like I thought it would cure the shame and I married him. And then I ended up getting pregnant when I was 22 and had my first baby at 23. And it was the birth of my first baby. I had an unassisted home birth that changed everything. Mm. (laughs) And he's now 12 years old. So that was a while ago. And in that birth experience, uh, you know, I, I just realized that my body had done this amazing thing. Uh, Not every woman has an empowering birth experience, whatever, but for me, it absolutely was. And it was necessary for it to have happened that way, looking back on it, because everything that I'd been taught about my body, about pleasure and sexuality came crashing down the second he came out. Mm. (laughs) And I just knew that everything I'd been taught, everything I'd been conditioned to believe was a bunch of bullshit. And that's what sparked my own personal development journey and awakening. And I started getting into meditation, um, you know, just discovering what is my spirituality. I know I'm not what I was raised, but what am I now? What do I believe? And I eventually started working in a birth center as a doula and a midwife apprentice. And that's when I started to get interested in the sex piece. And I also started waking up to the fact that, huh, you know, I was about 26, 27 at the time. And I was thinking like, there's got to be more to this. Uh, You know, like I could only have an orgasm in one way. And, you know, it just seemed monotonous and routine and a little boring, even though I really had nothing to complain about. I had an orgasm every time I had sex. Mm-hmm. but I never self-pleasured and it just seemed like there's got to be something else like mm-hmm. seriously I am 26 years old and like this is all there is to sex for the rest of my life like can't be <laughs> and that's when I heard about the jade egg practice and I took a course to learn how to use the jade egg which is just an egg-shaped stone that you use inside of your pussy and you do different squeezes and releases and breathwork practices with it. And it's, it helps to sensitize your vagina so that you can have different types of orgasms and longer, stronger, longer lasting orgasms as well. And it's wonderful, you know, if you have had a baby uh, to help tone and strengthen your pelvic floor. Mm. And after two months of doing jade egg work, I just woke up one day and that half awake, half asleep state And I just could feel all of the shame and the disgust and the guilt that I had around my body and sex was just leaving my body. Mm -hmm. I had cleared so much stuck and stagnant energy from my body that it was just, I was over it. (laughs) I was over it. And right after that, I became very multi-orgasmic. Like I'm talking like 10 orgasms every time I'd have sex. And like, it was just, freaking nuts. I was having these weird kundalini awakening experiences in my body. Like the sensations I'd feel after sex, like my whole body would be vibrating and shaking for like an hour afterwards. And I'm like, what is happening? And my tantra teacher was like, yeah, that's kundalini energy awakening inside of you. I was like, oh, got it. And at that point, I was also working in the birth center and noticed how many mothers after they had babies, oh my God, they would laugh in your 
face when you talk to them about like uh yeah yeah that it was safe for them to have sex after the six-week postpartum checkup and it was like that would be the furthest thing from their mind and they would just it was rare to get someone in a postpartum checkup that was like yeah I'm ready right <laughs> like that was not common mm-hmm. and I was like wow I I want to help them my god like I've released so, so much of my own shit around sex that like this is my calling in this life finally <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's when I went to sex coaching training and I became a certified tantric sex coach, a certified JDEG coach, and sex, love, and relationship coach. And I did trainings for two years, and I've been a full-time coach for over two years now. Wow. What an amazing, what an amazing journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it sounds so fun <laughs> once you get there. Uh, so something I wanted to just pull on was that you had said, you know, I thought by getting married that that would cure the shame. Mm-hmm. That was, a, that was a powerful statement that you said. I thought by getting married, that would cure the shame around my body. But it wasn't until you introduced this jade egg practice, like you said, that you're able to finally get that shame out of your body. So for somebody maybe that hasn't done this work yet to be able to feel like maybe I have an energy block of shame somewhere or a bunch of them rooted inside of me, what would be like some symptoms or some things that maybe people would experience if they are in fact holding on to shame, but have never thought, am I holding on to shame? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question because I was not conscious to the fact at the time that I married him because I, I needed to get rid of the shame. I, at the time, that's not why I married him. I married him because I loved him. When when I look back at it now with all my wisdom, right? I'm like, no, that wasn't even love. I was on a fucking cocktail of hormones and a year later they were gone. <laughs> and then the real the relationship started. Right. right. Okay, but you know, for women and they that are a little older and a little more self-aware, shame shows up or guilt or disgust or fear especially around our sexuality or intimacy and connection, which is huge for a lot of women. They struggle just as much with men around intimacy and connection sometimes. How it shows up is lack of desire. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between libido, desire, and arousal. The lack of libido is when is a scientific thing. So that means you're actually not making the hormones in order to feel sexually desirous and a lack of desire is about the emotional experience of the sex of the sex and the intimacy and this is what most women struggle with but they always say oh it's my hormones it's not your fucking hormones oh my god i I just we've got to get that message out like stop (laughs) 99 percent of women don't have a problem with their freaking hormones they have a problem with emotional repression and there is nothing more than emotional repression that's going to block your desire because if you cannot have an emotional connection with your partner or with a partner if you're dating or whatever you're not going to have the cocktail of hormones that you need in order to like feel desire it's not that your body can't make them it's that you're not connecting on the depth and level that you need in order to feel turn on and desire Mm-hmm. So I would say lack of desire is the biggest symptom of repressed emotion. And that's all, that's such a sacral chakra thing. And all of my work is around sacral chakra and it can often be trauma, mm-hmm. which we all have sexual trauma. I don't know a single woman that's not had it. And this word is very misunderstood because people think that there's an hierarchy to trauma. They dismiss their trauma because they think, oh, well, I never got raped or molested. Well, you don't need to be raped or molested for your body and your nervous system to register something as trauma and lock down your sexual desire. Mm -hmm. So often it will present as just like a disinterest in dating or uh, like a hyper response to our trauma could be like uh, an over independence. Like I don't need men or I don't need a partner, you know, and that'll swing into the whole feminist thing. 
and you'll start doing the man bashing. So if you're a man basher, <laughs> that's often a sign that you've got unprocessed trauma going on. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's. Uh, I can't help but go here in my mind now. I didn't want to go here, but I mean, it's everywhere right now after this freaking Super Bowl performance, right? Oh, yeah. oh God. <laughs> and and it's it's interesting to see the polarization of the sides. There's like on one hand, and nobody's right and nobody's wrong. It's just interesting to see the way that beliefs present themselves when a woman's sexuality is displayed to see the vast polar, like there's no middle ground there. You're on one side or you're on the other side. And like I said, nobody's right and nobody's wrong. But my interpretation is that it takes a lot of, a lot of healing to get to a place where you're able to know you're going to be scrutinized for showing your sexuality on a stage, like when you're JLo and Shakira, like they knew that something was going to happen from that. Mm -hmm. And as you said, most women, if not every single woman has been through some type of trauma. So what kind of work would you have to do personally, developmentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically to get to a place where you're willing to basically put your head on the chopping block mm -hmm. and be sexual on a stage in the biggest televised event in the year. Um, I'm wondering, I really didn't want to go here, but I can't, I just, it's everywhere right now. So I'm wondering if you could, uh, if you have an interpretation or an opinion on this fiasco that's been this left well, versus right fiasco of, of whether this was good or bad of Shakira to do this. Yeah. Well, of course I have an opinion and I think it's pretty obvious what my opinion is. Thank fucking God. Thank the great goddess is my opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank goddess that that happened because it brings up this topic and it makes people look at their shit. And if any, me too did it. This was just reiterating that the sexual revolution has barely even started. Mm -hmm. We thought, Oh, we're sexually liberated when we got vibrators and, uh, infertility not infertility pills <laughs> birth control pills you know in the 60s and 70s women thought oh that's it we're liberated no you are not you are not liberated until you can do what those two women did and not feel an ounce of shame or remorse or regret for getting up there and doing what they did and until you could be that you know you could be that woman you still have work to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, now, something else that this brings to mind is that, and this isn't a right or wrong interpretation again, it's not a good or bad. It's just that a lot of people believe that sex is to be performed within a confines of a specific relationship, within a specific set of boundaries, that sex is supposed to include a penis and a vagina, uh, and that's it right? So it's like sex gets put inside of this box that we don't talk about. Like you said, you're six years old. How dare you be naked underneath a towel? So in that, what is your, what is your professional opinion on when we put sex inside of a box and we put our sexuality in these confines of what's right and wrong and what's good and bad and what's shameful and what's allowable. Like what would be a step? What would be a couple of steps you would encourage people to start dipping their toes in if they're like way over here and they're like, oh my God, there's no way I could be Shakira, but maybe I want to be a little more in touch with my sexuality or my sensuality or maybe just not be going through maintenance sex once a month or once every six months. What's mm -hmm. kind of a, what's your dip your toes in like gentle ways to get in the water? You have to change your narrative. You have to change your narrative of what sexuality means to you. You inherited a narrative from your family of origin, your caregivers. You inherited a narrative from pornography from the media, from your religion, from your education. And if you have not looked at all of those pieces separately, 
then you don't even know your narrative. All you are living is someone else's that you adopted. So until you can go in and look at, uh, huh, I wonder, <laughs> what was I taught about sex? What was I taught about homosexuality? What was I taught about being queer? What was I taught about what the word sex even is? If you have never done that through the lens of all of these, media, education, religion, family warden, you have not even started your work. And that is the first place you need to start. What did you get taught that you ended up inheriting? And it's okay. I inherited like the worst, <laughs> the, the worst narrative around sexuality, right? I mean, I am straight. I'm very straight. Like I just love dicks and men, <laughs> but like, it's almost disappointing that I'm not at least by or you know like it's kind of like damn it I did all this work and I'm still actually <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not willing to go there <laughs> but at least you know now <laughs> right yeah so I mean it's like until you really dive down and looked at what you inherited from these these different aspects versus what do I actually believe and beyond that is if I were raised in a culture that was 110% sex positive and celebrated my sexuality. Can you even imagine? Most of us, when I, when I work with one-on-one -on -one clients, this is usually the first exer writing exercise I give them is to write a new ideal sexual narrative. So if they were born and raised with parents that absolutely celebrated their bodies, celebrated them touching themselves, but gave them good and healthy boundaries about when it was, you know, appropriate to do that when it wasn't, but totally celebrated it and just normalized a kid's sexuality, nakedness and body, like how freaking different your sexuality would be right now. Mm -hmm. And that is what, you know, that is the best place to start. That's a very top down approach. Uh, very logical thinking, but sometimes if we're super, super, super shut down sexually, going into your body is not even possible. Like sometimes mm -hmm. the only way into your body is through your head. And if you're that shut down, let's just work with the narrative and start changing the narrative. And then we can get into your body because some people, like if you're very numb in sex or if you don't feel any pleasure, if you're just having sex to get your husband off your back or but there's like nothing in it for you. You never have an orgasm and maybe you just say yes because you know, you just, you want him to feel good. You want to please him, but there's nothing in it for you. That's a sign that you are extremely shut down. Your body is numb. You're not feeling anything and that's okay. Like approach it from the narrative and then let's go down into the body. But sometimes like the body-based approaches that I do with the Jade Egg, it can be so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. For someone just to like put a jade egg inside their body and I teach them how to use it and it can be a great approach but only after you started connecting already with like what are the sensations I feel in my body if you're numb you don't know what the sensations are so you know you might not feel anything if you do those jade egg practices for a couple of weeks until you know you get through that but yeah we got to work with getting the narrative straight and then we can go into the body and break it all up there as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that people and women and people have these conversations because how many times in your past or in your client's past or in my past or listener in your past, have you been like, I must be the only woman in the whole entire world who doesn't feel anything or does not want to have sex or can't get out of my head. Like I must be the only woman in the world who's going through this. There's something wrong with me. Everyone on Facebook is talking about doing it 20 times a day and like, what is wrong with me? And so like, yes, it sounds like, yes, there's a, there's a lot of work to get to this place where you're having 10 orgasms every time that you are having sex. 
But until we have this conversation and normalize this conversation that no, you're not alone. No, you're not the only person with a numb body. No, you're not the only person that has sexual trauma. No, you don't have to be raped in order to be considered to have sexual trauma. Like this, these conversations as it stands are not mainstream. And based on the division between the freaking Shakira people, like this is, it's evident that these conversations need to happen more and more and more. And so like with that said, I know that I know that a lot of my clients have have had this common experience of, you know, I'm just doing this to I don't a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of shame around I don't want to upset my partner or I feel bad because I want to be able I want to want to but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, how would you support one of your clients to have this conversation with their partner to say, listen, I'm all fucked up. I don't know why. I just know that I am. I just know that th- that something's up with my body. I want to be there. I want to be there to be able to be intimate with you. This has nothing to do with you, potentially. But like, how would you, how would you support them to start having those conversations with their partner? Because I feel like sometimes that's the hardest step to be like, this isn't about you. This is something I need to work through. Most people don't even know they need to work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I would say most of the women that I work with are always asking, do I need to have my partner on these calls? Or, you know, like you go to couples counseling or couples therapy and that's what's like normal for working through sexual issues. Oh my god like no no (laughs) no lack of desire most therapists even and unless they're a very qualified sex therapist um but most general therapists or counselors have no freaking clue how to handle sexuality and sexual dysfunction within a relationship it ain't about your partner okay if you lack desire if you have liked the way your partner smells at some point in the beginning, it ain't about your partner. (laughs) It's about you. This is a solo journey. I will only work with couples if the individuals have worked with me first, because you have so much of your own shit you need to get past and to clear before we can bring in the couple's dynamic in the first place. And most of the time, working on your own shit is going to clear the dynamic and the relationship anyway. Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So just being able to have that conversation with them and say, this isn't about you. This isn't yeah, about you. They don't need to have a conversation with them, you know? And honestly, it's, that's one of those, it's almost like a disqualifier for me working with someone. Like if you need your partner's permission to do this work, I don't want to work with you. Oh, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't ask it in the right way then. It wasn't, it wasn't in the way of like, how do you ask for the permission? It's more of like, how do you ask for the space? How do you ask for the, cause I feel like, I feel like based on like the work that I've done, based on my own personal development, there comes a time where you need to get through the dark cloud, right? You need to get through the black cloud and you need to be able to ask for space and you need to be able to say like, this isn't about you, right? Like I need to get through this cloud. So that was more of the, it wasn't because I'm, I agree with that of not having to ask for permission, but more of allowing yourself the space and being able to communicate that with your partner maybe is a better way to phrase it. Yeah. Well, just letting your partner know they're not, they're not in the dark that there's something up and wrong if you're not connecting at least once or twice a week, most likely, uh, they're probably unsatisfied too. So like the fact that people aren't talking about sex in a relationship when that's the reason they got in a relationship, that's a problem. That, that, that's a problem. That's a sign that you should probably be working on this and talking about it more. Just have the conversation and say, hey, like I noticed that things are a little off with us sexually lately. You know, we're only connecting like once a month and I'm having and really struggling with desire and really, you know, making the time and making our connection a priority. And this is something I really want to work on. Mm -hmm. 
that's really it. And mm. almost all the time, the partner is going to be completely willing to support you in whatever needs to take place to change that dynamic. Right. It's very rare that a partner is not going to be supportive of you that. It's one thing to ask permission and another to ask for support. Sure, you want your partner's support to do this sort of work, but if you need permission, you need to go see somebody else, not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other can of worms. Be <laughs> a life coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, something else I wanted to bring up um, is that it's really no secret that like alcohol is kind of everywhere in our culture. And as I go down my own path of personal development, I have become a lot more intentional with being present. This is my, my word for 2020 is presence, right? But it feels like this is kind of this cast it to the side piece of advice that a lot of people will give is just go crack a bottle of wine, go chug a bottle of wine, and that will open you up enough, that will relax you enough to be able to have sex with your partner. So then it becomes this like, you can't now have sex unless you've been drinking alcohol. Is this something that you experience in your work? Is this a common like medicine that people will use in order to loosen themselves up? What's your take on this? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I talk to a lot of women who tell me that, who tell me I can't have sex without having a glass of wine. Honestly, I don't work with those women. They're not ready. If you're not even ready to like feel what's in your body at all, because you're so in flight response, you it's probably because you're so disconnected from your emotions, from the sensations in your body that either you either need to go work with, go do some yoga and some meditation, get your life worked out a little bit on like a very basic level and then come see me. But if you're having to drink a bottle of wine every single time before you have sex or a bottle or a glass of wine every single night, just to get through the night that I don't do that. <laughs> and that is a lot of women. I honestly, I hear it all the time, but it's absolutely something I'm not going to take on a six month client if that's where you're at. Cause that's not where I start with people. Like if that's you, I would highly suggest you start doing some yoga and go learn some meditation, go take a meditation class and start to be able to learn to sit with your thoughts and to be okay with just being present right here and right now, instead of numbing out every single night. You know, if you're not able to get through a day without a glass of wine, then you've got some other serious things going on that you need to deal with. And then that, that's keeping you from connecting at all. You might have some acute trauma you've never dealt with. And most people who do that, that's because they have acute trauma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting that, that um, so before I started doing this work, I was a registered nurse mm. and I had, to, I had to leave that Western style of treating people's pain and discomfort and giving them tools to numb what was happening because my interpretation, my opinion, my view is that every physical symptom that we have is a either a spiritual origin or an emotional origin or a combination of both. And so sure, like you said, your jade, your jade egg practice, that's a tool that you can use once you're ready for those emotions to come out. Right. Mm -hmm. And yes, therapists are great at, at, for some people, for some points to get rid of complex trauma or to get rid of acute traumas, et cetera. But I think that there's this, such this resistance that people have to go in and feel these emotions. So mm -hmm. we scroll Facebook for a hundred hours a day, even though there's only 24 hours, I like to exaggerate. We scroll Facebook or we drink wine or we avoid, we avoid situations, we avoid our feelings, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's interesting to me now when, when you're bringing this up, it's like, if your sexuality is going, which is this biological driver, we are biologically driven to be sexual. So if you have this symptom, I've, I would feel like this would be like one of the last things to go, right? Like, one of the last things to get out of touch with. So, and I don't know, I'm just like, this is just coming to me right now. By the time that your sex drive has shut down, if it has, like there's just so much 
stuff built up inside of you that you can't start there. Is that what you're saying? If, if your sexuality is the problem and you're completely numb, you don't start with your sexuality. You need to go clear all of this and then we'll get there. That's what you're saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's different sex coaches that will start at different areas, but I take people very deep and far because that's what I like to do. There are sex coaches out there, relationship coaches that will start with someone that ha- that you know that 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 is where you're at. But that's just not me, and that's just my preference. But yeah, I, and and in my opinion, I think you probably shouldn't be seeing a coach. You should be seeing a therapist or going do some yoga and some meditation. It's mm-hmm. really that simple. Like you need to become aware of the problem. Coaching is okay. Here's what I define the difference between therapy and coaching. Therapy is going into your past and becoming aware of why you're doing the things that you're doing. That's an amazing, wonderful thing. But what, where it stops and where I see the limitation of it many times is that it never empowers you into something new. Mm-hmm. And that for me and my work is what I like to bring women into is into an empowerment, a personal empowerment around their sexuality. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming in and you're completely not even aware of why you're doing the things you're doing, it's not the starting point for me. That's fair. And you would be better off going to therapy and going learn how to be with your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that that you have that boundary to be like, listen, you're, I would, I could help you or I could try to help you, but you're not there yet. Right. Like go do this healing, go do this healing and then come and see me. Right. Yeah. yeah I have uh, turned many potential clients down for that exact mm-hmm. boundary. Yep. But that's great. That's great. It's, it speaks a lot to your character that I think it's important when people realize that even though someone can help you doesn't mean that they should, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, most of my people have been in therapy for many times, many years, and they've never found that empowerment to peace. And right. that's what they want. Right. They want to feel like their sexuality is theirs. A lot of them are menopausal even. Like they've gone through the freaking ringer and they have done so much healing work already. And they're just like, damn it, I just want to experience more pleasure and feel right. empowered in my body and my sexuality for me, not mm-hmm. for my partnership or relationship, but just for me. Mm-hmm. So what does this journey typically look like then? Where do you take your clients? Usually you'll, you start with a jade egg and then move forward. Is that kind of your foundation or what would, what would a process look like for somebody if they wanted to come and work with you? Well, I only work with people on a six month basis for one-on-one, at least six months. It usually lasts a little bit longer. (laughs) And then I have a group coaching program as well. That's a 10 week program right now. And both of them, we combine um, one-on-one coaching with JDEG work. The group coaching is obviously group coaching and JDEG work, but you know, for the one-on-one there's it's a whole process. You know, we've got to work through the emotional empowerment piece, uh, bringing up the emotions that are most keeping you from your sexual desires. A lot of times it's fear, shame, disgust, um, guilt, stuff like that. And coming to a place of empowerment around that and then working through family dynamics and empowering your inner masculine and feminine, quit holding on to those beliefs that you inherited from your past and start choosing new beliefs. Um, Yeah. Teaching you holistic sex techniques. Like there's so many, I mean, I I don't want to take this whole podcast telling you all how crappy sex education is because you probably already know that like, it's awful. We don't get taught anything about pleasure or women's pleasure. We don't understand our bodies. Everything about sexuality is based off a male model of pleasure and orgasm and women's pleasure and orgasm is totally more nuanced than men's. And we have this expectation that we should be able to have an orgasm in five minutes. And we want to know how to have an orgasm as quick as possible. Well, the fact that you even want that and that you're pressuring your body to do something it doesn't want to do is why you're not having any fucking orgasms. (laughs) 
Mm. You know, we put all this pressure on ourselves because we get raised in this patriarchal culture that says, do more, achieve, keep going, do more, achieve more. It's like, dude, the female body is not designed for that shit. Mm. (laughs) Female pleasure does not respond to doing more or to any, any suggestion that it should be any, that it should be experiencing anything other than what it is right now. And you know, because if you think of the times where you've been with a partner who's been like, I want you to have an orgasm tonight. Most of the time that turns a woman off because it puts the pressure on, you know, that doesn't work for women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our sexuality is so much different and we just don't get taught anything about how to approach your body in a feminine way that works to actually turn you on and men are just you know completely in the dark and they don't understand but you know most women you have to go at them in a different way to get them turned on and men have they, they don't understand it and then if they don't understand it and we don't understand our bodies then they're like totally in the dark not knowing how to please you because you don't know what you want and what you like and what works for you and you don't know how to ask for it and you don't know how to say what's a real yes for you. And you don't know how to say what's a real no for you because you don't know those things because your boundaries suck. (laughs) And that's a lot of what we're working on is empowering a woman around her boundaries, getting her in touch with, okay, what does my body like? What do I want? Mm -hmm. Who am I as a sexual woman working through your identity around your sexuality? I mean, it's so much. I I don't want to sit here and explain the whole process but yeah it's, it's a lot no it's, it sounds great and it's you're right it's things that we don't we don't we're not raised hearing it we're not we don't grow up hearing it's okay to be sexual it's okay to feel good it's okay to say no it's okay to say yes right like it's okay to want to have sex it's okay not to want to have sex we don't grow up hearing this we don't grow up hearing this so of course there's a lot to it because you're undoing 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years of shame and guilt and and people pleasing and overgiving tendencies or the opposite you're completely closed off and don't let anybody in you know mm-hmm. uh, literally everything everything you've got to dismantle it all and it's all it all registers in the body and the nervous system as trauma responses mm-hmm. and you know going through it and with you know nervous system knowledge is super valuable and important too because that's the crux of it all is Mm -hmm. how does all of this sit in your nervous system Mm -hmm. and can we get it to sit in your nervous system without you going into fight flight or freeze but the greatest part about this is that there's a solution there is an there is an answer like you don't need to be stuck in guilt shame numbness there's a there's a way out. There's a way to have 10 orgasms every time you have sex and have your body shaking for an hour afterward, which to most people probably sounds like, yeah, okay, chick, like whatever you're smoking, like I'll take some because there's no way this could happen for me. So it's wonderful that there is in fact a solution to become a pleasurable, pleasured, sensual, loving, open, non-ashamed goddess of a woman who just wants to feel good. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Cheers to that. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess my uh, one last question I have for you is that, you know, a lot of times it's, it's the end of the day and you've been running all day, you've been working, you've been stressed, you've been this, you've been this hat on, you got your mom hat on, you got your stepmom hat on, you're making dinner, kids are going to bed, people are fighting, it's whatever. And then it comes time for bedtime. And then by that point of the after the evening, you're like, just leave me alone, right? Like I'm so tired. Is there something that you would encourage people to start doing so that, do you recommend like preparing yourself through the day for the option of having sex? Do you recommend an evening kind of ritual wind down? How do you switch off that hat of go, 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 get shit done? to being able to put on the hat of being open to the possibility of pleasure in that evening after you've been running all day. Do you have a tip? 
Yeah. Well, ideally, I wish we could just break through every societal norm around living in these go, 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 busy nine to five lives. Like, if you're still doing that, I, I, I applaud you. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> because I I'd only did it for a very short time. And I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> like, I will not. I will not. Because my pleasure was too much of a priority. And I'm like, no, I will be that woman who teaches my kids that you can live a pleasurable life on your own terms and make a damn good living doing it. And my God, if I was going to figure out one thing in this life, it was going to be that. And I did. But it took a while to get there. So if you are that person who whose life cannot revolve around living on your own terms and your own pleasure, uh, the biggest thing that I would suggest is that if you are not in that, then you have to create a very distinct ritual to transition your day from that type of lifestyle into, okay, I am not one to be doing all the things right now. I'm not a mom right now. I'm not a career woman right now. I'm just my sensual, sexual, sex goddess self. And, you know, a ritual could look, for example, like, when you take a bath or shower every night and you get out, do breast massage. It takes four or five minutes. It's so easy. Most of us are putting on oil or lotion after a bath or shower. Anyway, slow it down like a lot <laughs> and touch your body intentionally. Like turn yourself on a little bit, get yourself a little like, Oh, okay. Finally I can like let go of the caregiving and the busyness and make a commitment to stop checking all of the emails from work, you know, like absolutely you've got to learn to shut that part of your life off. If you can't do that, I can't, I don't know what else to tell you, but you have got, <laughs> you seriously got to learn how to shut that off and make a commitment to shutting it off. Like no transition work is done. At six o'clock. I am not checking any more work emails past six o'clock. Please create that sort of boundary for yourself, for you and your partner's good, for the good of your relationship. If you don't, I highly doubt your relationship is going to last because you are constantly struggling between being in that mode, numbing out, going for that glass of wine every night versus actually connecting with your partner. And if you want the connection and the intimacy to last more than the first couple of years, you're going to have to put in some work. And the work means creating better boundaries and clear, I'm done with this role of being a mom, like bedtime. Oh my God, I'm absolutely a believer in bedtime. Ever since my kids were babies, I, I check out, I clock off, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, they stopped waking up in the middle of the night, probably around a year and a half, you know, whatever. And as soon as we were done with that initial stage and they started sleeping through the night, it was like, nope, I am absolutely done being, doing mom things by eight, eight thirty at the latest. My kids are nine and 12. They still go to bed at eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I don't have the least, the least bit of remorse or embarrassment around it at all uh they go to bed early because i am done absolutely done there absolutely. is a clear do not ask mom for anything past eight o'clock unless you, your arm is falling off i'm done yep unless you have a medical emergency you do not don't come to me <laughs> and you know that might sound selfish it absolutely is not mm -hmm. i'm single right now i've been single almost two years if I did not have that, I would have lost my mind two years ago. Mm -hmm. So you just have to create those boundaries for yourself and for your kids. You know what? I think it's damn good thing I have those boundaries with them because then they're going to be raised to know, oh yeah, women have boundaries. Yeah. So 
I need to let her be and take care of herself. It's a form of self-love and they get to be raised by a mom that knows like, no, this is what I'm available for. This is what I'm not available for. And it's okay that I'm not available for certain things at certain times of the day. Mm-hmm. Unless Absolutely. you really, truly need me. Absolutely. So turn off the work, get strong boundaries around how much, you know, or past what time you're available to continue caregiving unless it's an emergency. And that right there would revolutionize a lot of our parenting. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but women, again, suck at boundaries most of the time. So doing that can be really, really challenging, especially if you're not used to it. So you know, mm-hmm. working on boundaries is, is a big part of sexuality work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Lacey, I could chat with you probably all day all day about this. We share a lot of very similar uh, thought processes about things. Uh, I appreciate your wisdom and your expertise so much. And I know that, you know, you've given me a lot to think about and the way that you're serving women is absolutely beautiful and it's so empowering. And I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to be here today. For our listeners who would like to learn more about what you do or follow you on social media or get in touch with their pussies what is the best what is the best place to find you where do you hang out i am an instagram fan and my account got deleted um a couple months ago <laughs> but i have a new one it is at lacy mama l-a-c-e-y-m-a-m-a and um then the other place is my website the multiorgasmicmama.com Mama is spelled M-A-M-A. Perfect. Email list and podcast there. I will link those up in the show notes. Thank you, Lacey, so much for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week, same time, same place. For more behind-the-scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at The Step Queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM. Tag me in your posts. Tag me in your stories. Let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better and Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend. <laughs>